0: Hello and welcome to the 18th episode of the Commander's Contingencies podcast, where today I'm going to be covering both the Ikoria set and the new Commander release. All right, so to start off, um, I just realized right before recording this that apparently I didn't release the episode last week, I always schedule my episodes, and this time I did it. I scheduled it one week late, so I just released that today, which is the tenth. And um, hopefully, you guys can hopefully you will see that pretty soon. Uh, I know for different platforms, it takes different amount of times to to upload, but the point is. Um, I didn't actually release, quote-unquote, release an episode that last week, and this week, I'm going to be releasing basically three episodes. One, because I forgot to last week, or I miss scheduled one week later. Two, because I always do a bonus episode for set releases, and the third is just the new one, the normal one. Uh, the second thing I want to talk about is, I am covering both Commander 2020 and and Ikoria, so that's a lot, and I expect this to be a long episode, but i found every time I thought it would be a long episode, it, it actually isn't, so I don't know. Um, that is most of the things I wanna cover. In terms of Commander news, that's basically just like literally the entire episode today. MTG news. Because I'm just doing the set release, and I haven't really heard of any non-Ikoria or non-Commander 2020 news, so I'm just gonna go ahead and jump right into it with the C2020 notables. So. The C twenty twenty decks. There are five of them, and they are three color pairings. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the wedges or shards. I don't remember which is which. I also have issue. I also kind of don't remember a lot of the time the guilds, uh, what the different sets of those are. Um, but anyways, uh, it is the color identities of uh, white, black, green, or what is that called? Uh, I can't remember what that's called, but uh, green, black, blue, uh, green, blue, red, red, white, black, and blue, red, white. So, Jeskai, Mardu, Temer um... Ah, I can't remember. Ah, I know I have it on the tip of my tongue, but I just can't think of it. So it is the five color, three color decks. Um, In terms of that, I was mostly wrong. I said, I I suspect it's going to be two color, but it might be three color. Well, really I said of the possibilities, it's almost definitely either two color or three color, and I think it's two color. So I, I was kind of wrong about that. I'm not gonna cover all the speculations I had, because I'm not sure exactly of all the speculations I had, but my evolved one was wrong. Um, and, uh, if you remember the special guest Nathan, where he talked about, where he said that the, um, the mechanic in the unset. Of melt would be re- would be printed here he was totally right mutate is so similar to that come on like it's not perfect but it is 99 of the way well 90 percent of the way there it is so close okay so first of all i'm gonna talk about the five uh heads of the deck these are the ones that they recommend you run we have Jarina Kudron which is 1 red, white, black, for a 3-3. And when it enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 one, one white human-soldier creature token for each time you've cast a commander from, a command, from the command zone this game. Other humans you control get plus 2, plus 0. Okay, so this makes me to think of two things. One of those things is Prosh, um, but it's not in green, so there's no food chain and it's not really, doesn't really have a sack outlet, and it also doesn't make as many uh, tokens, so it doesn't really, uh, the decks probably will have very little in common with Prosh. And the second is just Human Tribal. People have been looking for a commander for Human Tribal for so long, and it's great to finally get this. Everybody knows Moraphon is really not a good tribal commander for very many tribes. And Drina, I think is a pretty solid commander. Um, it's really hard to judge with humans because they have so many different things that they do. There's so many different things that there's so many humans and human is such a basic creature type to be printed that it's hard to pin down what mechanical similarities they are. And in other formats where, there's, where there are humans, the entire benefit of humans is you can basically just play good stuff creatures and then get benefit for being in quote-unquote tribal because you have so many options. So, I, I mean, I think it's a pretty solid generic uh, tribal commander which does, sort of, work with humans, because it's really hard to actually build a good tribal commander for humans. Okay, next up is Kalamax, the Stormsire. Uh, also, by the way, um, I'm not sure if I'll be able to find a list for Jarena or any of these, but I'm going to be trying to find as many lists for the commanders that I think are legitimate decks. I will probably not be building any of them because I'm really busy. I know it's weird to be busy in this time, but uh, I am. So, I maybe I will have built one or two, but I'm probably just going to rush this out because, as I said, I'm really busy. Um, anyways, that I will probably be able to find a good list for that. So, if you are thinking of building a deck, um, then look in the show notes, you'll probably be able to find it, but I also, uh, have, I'm, I think it's pretty likely that I'll reach the word limit, because I think I can only have 4,000 characters, um, and that's not really enough, like, in a couple different episodes where I've just had, like, 5, 10, maybe, links that i had to put in the description i have gotten really close to that limit so i might just put like a document down or something so that you can find those links um or you could just do your own research uh that would work too okay next up is Calamas uh calamax the storm sire one green blue red for four four whenever you cast your first instant spell each turn If Kalimax, the Stormsire, is tapped, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. And whenever you copy an instant spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on Kalimax. So this is basically just a spell slender deck. Uh, It's a little bit different from most in that it has a lot more uh, synergies with copying. And there's a lot of different things that you can do to make it work. But it's basically just another um, instant and sorcery uh, spell slinger deck. Next up is Gavi, Nest Warden. Two red, blue, white. For a 2-5 f- Legendary Creature Human Shaman, you may pay zero rather than the cycling costs of the first card you cycle each turn. And whenever you draw your second card each turn, create a 2-2 red and white dinosaur cat creature token. First of all, it's each turn. So you can do that on every single player's turn, not just on yours. Next is... me Being able to make a dinosaur cat creature token is pretty nice. Um, I think it's going to be a really interesting deck because a cycling deck has been looking for a commander for a long time. The previous most popular cycling commander would be Sir, because you can look for the enchantments uh, with his attack ability. Um, It's really windy outside, and I also have a space heater running, so if the sound quality is bad, I'm sorry, but... There's not really much I can do other than turn off the space heater, and it's, it's really cold, so I'm not going to do that. Alright, so next up is Catheril, Aspect Warden, Warper, 2, White, Black, Green, or a 3-3, Legendary Creature, Nightmare Insect. And when it enters the battlefield, put a flying counter on target creature. You control of a creature in your graveyard has flying, repeat this process for first strike, double strike, death touch, hexproof, indestructible, lifelink, menace, reach, trample, and vigilance. Then put a plus one plus one counter on catharel for each counter, put on a creature this way. So basically you just get, it's similar to the commander in the pre-cons last year, I don't remember what it was called, but much better basically there's 10 different types of counters of abilities you can have in your graveyard and kathril will get those ability token or ability counters ability counters if you don't know are just counters that give your creatures whatever ability the name of the ability counter is and there are 10 of them so you can get half up to a 13-13, and I highly doubt you'll do that, but if you're lucky, I would say most of the time you'll probably get him to at least a 7-7 uh, if you build your deck well, and a lot- not commonly, but maybe every once in a while you might be able to get him to an 11-11 to get that to a hit kill, um, but he does get A lot of these abilities so that makes it a lot easier for you to be able to kill your opponents with it and use him as a Viltron commander personally I don't really find him interesting but I have seen a lot of other people do so that is that next is Otrimi, the ever playful three black green blue a six six legendary creature nightmare beast mutate one black green blue if you cast this spell for its mutate cost uh, put it on over or under target non-human creature you own they mutate on into the creature on top plus all abilities from under it so mutate is a really hard mechanic to fully explain because there's so many different rules interactions but just to put it simply mutate is you 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 pay the mutate ability and you put it over under a non-human so that's just what i read then the power of the thing on the bottom the power and toughness of the thing on the bottom are the stacks ability the stack of creatures abilities are power and toughness and the stack of creatures abilities are the text so all the text gets added on so that way you can just recast and cards with mutate usually they say whenever this creature mutates so if you add another creature to that snack it's gonna trigger all the things that say when this mutates so That's how that works, Um, if any, I'm not sure if it's any or if it's just the bottom card, but if it would go to any zone, the entire stack leaves and goes to the zone. So I believe, um, I'm actually not sure if it would all come back, but if you were to exile, uh, if you were to flicker everything, you should be able to flicker everything and get all of the mutate abilities again. Which is really nice. Um, I'm not sure exactly on that. So don't quote me on that. Just if you do want to build a mutate deck. At least look into it. Because you know. That would be awesome if you could. Alright. Next up. We are going to cover the reprints. Uh, So in terms of reprints. uh, I put down seven notable reprints. First of all we have sungrass prairie. So, it's not particularly sungrass prairie. It's the cycle of the signet lands. So, the signet lands are lands and they enter untapped, and you can pay one and tap them and add two colors. So, it's basically just like a signet, but on the land. I feel like there's two names that go around for them, and I don't remember what the other one is. So, that might lead to some confusion, especially because I don't remember what they're called, what the other name is. Uh, but uh, if someone calls it something else, don't correct them. There's just two different names. Uh, next up is fluctuator, which is two for an artifact, cycling abilities. You activate, cost up to two less to activate. There's abandoned sarcophagus, which is three for an artifact. You may cast spells that have cycling have a cycling ability from your graveyard, and if a card that has a cycling ability would be put into your graveyard from anywhere and it wasn't exiled, or cycled, exile instead. Uh, There's Shared Animosity. Shared Animosity is two and a red for an enchantment, and it says whenever a creature you control attacks, it gets plus one, plus zero until end of turn for each other attacking creature that shares a type with it there that's great i'm probably gonna buy a couple of those there's Karametra god of Harvests. probably not a couple maybe just one or two uh which is three green white for a six seven legendary creature and legendary enchantment creature god indestructible as long as your devotion to green and white is less than seven it's not a creature and whenever you cast a creature spell you may search your library for a forest or plains card put it on the battlefield tapped then shop your library uh, there's also the Locust God, which is four, blue, red, for four, four, with flying, and whenever you draw a card, create a one, one blue and red insect, and two blue, red, draw a card, then discard a card. And when it dies, return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. So, um, those are the reprints. Uh, there's some, print- those are fine reprints. Um, I would say there's a couple cards in here. Locust God used to be $20, uh, Carametra was $15, I think, Shared animosity o- was $10, I think. Fluctuator, I'm not sure if it was $10 because of Speculators, or if it was $10 because it just was $10. I'm not sure, but that's a thing, and I believe that the Signet Lands were actually quite expensive, but the uh, dro- the prices have completely dropped. Uh, I still need to do some thinking and testing in order to find out whether they're really playable. Because right now I'm like they could be good, um, but I'm not. I'm not so sure. All right. So okay. So I'm gonna start with. Uh, My general thoughts about these commander decks because I actually forgot to do that earlier so I'm gonna go ahead and say I love these commander decks they are awesome they have plenty of value in them plenty of playable cards they're not busted but I could easily see these playing with any other deck obviously that's not unique to these Uh, that has been almost all Not any other deck, but playing in most EDH pods without much challenge. Uh, That's not unique to these. That has been true for the last couple. But I will say these are definitely much more powerful than the last two decks. And I think that they are great. I think they fit in very, very well. Okay, so that is that. Uh, I do think these are great. So... Next, we're going to go over some cycles and other things. Alright, you know what, let's cover the second commanders because I should have done that earlier. So, in terms of second commanders, there's basically two options that you can replace it with. One of them uh, are just the normal ones and the other option is there are partner partner commanders. So. Basically, I'm just going to go over it, uh, Kelsey, Kelsey the Plague is red, white, black for a 2-2 Vigilance Haste. Kelsian the Plague gets plus one, plus one for each experience counter you have. And tap, Kelsian the Plague deals one damage to target creature you don't control. Whenever that, when that creature dies this turn, you get an experience counter. So if you can give it Death Touch, then you can just start killing creatures. Um, I have, I, there's a, someone's wearing a deck in a Discord server that I'm in, so I'll probably post that in the description, or in like some sort of document in the description, because I might not have enough words. Uh, Tiam Luminous Enigma is one black green for 3-3 each other creature you control enters the battlefield with an additional vigilance counter on it and three remove three counters from among creatures you control but the top three cards of your library into your graveyard then return a permanent card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield Ah, uh, so again i don't know i just don't love the counter manipulation it's not even that I don't know. I just don't love giving my creature's ability as vanilla abilities as the payoff. That's just me. Um, I don't want to, like, affect anyone's opinion. But I just am not hyped for that. Which is rather unfortunate. Because I want to be somewhat unbiased, at least. Actually, no. Honestly, I don't like the concept of... I'm not like a journalism thing, I'm not any newspaper or anything, but I don't like the concept of them saying, oh I'm unbiased, because they're not. Tell me one newspaper, news source, anything that is unbiased, because I can't think of any. You need to accept your bias, you need to tell people, and you need to try and minimize that, and make sure everyone knows exactly how your bias is affecting your judgment. And while I will try to minimize my bias, I want you to know what bias I have. Um, sorry for that little rant. Uh, next up is Zaxara, Zazara, the Exemplary. I have no idea how to pronounce this. Uh, I don't know. Uh, one black, green, blue for 2-3 death touch. Tap, add two mana of any one color. Whenever it has to spell with X in its mana cost, Create a zero-zero green Hydra creature token, then put X plus one plus one counters on it. Um, that is great because there are multiple plus one uh, X tribal decks, uh, commanders uh, that includes a just Hydra tribal in general. So something like Gargos. Uh, B that includes um, Roshin Meanderer, and I forget what else, but there are other ones. Sometimes there's even a Traxa Hydra Tribal because of the plus one, plus one counters being proliferated. There's a lot of different counters or commanders that synergize with X, but I would say this is probably one of the best Hydra Tribal X commanders. Uh, that I know of. So that's great. Um, it's not really opening up a new strategy, but it is making it a little bit more focused and clear. Next is Akim, the Soaring Wind. 2 blue, red, white for a 3-4 flying, and whenever you create one or more tokens for the first time each turn, create a 1-1 one, one white bird creature token with flying. And three blue, red, white creature tokens you control gain double strike until end of turn. I don't know about this because when I'm looking at it, it just looks weak. It just looks like... It just looks bad. I mean, if I'm creating one or more and I only get one, one, one with flying... Okay... I'm going to break down why I think this is basically just ineffective. So first of all, it says create one or more tokens each turn. So if you create for the first time each turn. first of all, I don't get benefit from making multiple at once. Second of all, I don't get benefit from making multiple two times. Two separate times. There's basically the only way I can get more than one each turn is if i do it on opponents terms which can be quite difficult to do actually because a lot of token producers are on creatures or sorceries there's not that many instants sometimes there's activated abilities such as slime foot or something like to that uh to that pattern but it's pretty uncommon so basically even if i'm being really optimistic we would get an average and this is I don't even think this would happen, of one token per cycle around the table, which is basically just quite ineffective for five mana. And quite slow. And then the activated ability, three, blue, red, white. First of all, that's a lot of mana. Creature tokens you control gain double strike until end of turn. They're tokens. They're tiny. Giving them double strike is not a good way of pumping them, that, and that's not a good way to win and the creature tokens that it is making are one ones i am ma- giving it one more damage for each one one i i don't know uh, maybe i'm wrong but to me it just looks quite ineffective uh maybe i'm wrong about the scope of instant speed token producers, or any other thing, but I'm just not, I just don't, I don't know, I don't see it. Uh, Next up is Zerus, the writhing storm, 2 green, blue, red, for a 3-5 with flying, and whenever an opponent draws a card except the first one they draw in each of their draw steps, create a one one green snake creature token and when it deals combat damage to a player you and that player each draw that many ta- cards so this commander is rather unique i could say it's similar to oh, i can't i'm sorry i'm really just cannot think of the names of cards today but what- there's this commander that's two black, blue, red, and it's like a 3-3, three, three, I think. Um, and at the beginning of each player's draw step, they draw an additional card, and whenever an opponent draws a card, they take a damage. I really can't remember the name of that card, but you get the idea. Um, you could pair it to that, but they don't- hmm. That's not really what you want to do, because with that commander, you could do wheels so that they can have drawing a lot of cards at once. With this, you want them to draw a small amount of cards over and over and over again. Uh, It's quite strange. Uh, And then you can also say it's similar to a Voltron commander. And the question with that is, how big do you want to go? What is your win con? Because do you even care about these snakes if you are trying to win with Voltron and you're giving them all of these answers? Honestly, this card just confuses me. Um, I want to see a list. That is my conclusion with this card. I want to see someone who has made a list because I am not inspired. I'm not... I don't think it's bad. I just want to see how how you're going to use this. Because it's not straightforward. It doesn't tell you. It tells you a lot of different things you can do. And they don't seem to work right. But I could definitely see a way. I could definitely see someone working around them. And creating a really nice, unique deck. Alright, so this is going, like, really slowly. So I'm going to try and speed it up. Because I've only gone through, like, 20 cards so far. And it's been a half hour. And I have, like, 100 cards to go through. So I'm going to try and speed it up. Because I don't want this to be 5 hours long. Um, so... First of all, those are the second commanders. Um, there's also the partner with commanders so i'm gonna go over those we have trin champion of freedom which is three in a white for a three three and it has partner with solvar devourer devourer of the free and at the beginning of your end step if you attack this turn create a one one white human soldier creature token so if you don't know what how partner with works is either in the command zone they can both be there or, when you cast one, you search your library and put into your hand the other. So, at the beginning of your end step, if you attack this turn, create a 1 1 white human soldier creature token. That's a pretty nice effect. And the other one, Silvar Devourer of the Free, is 3 red black for a 4 2, partner with Trin, Menace. Sacrifice a human, put a plus one, plus one counter on Silvar, and it gains indestructible. So the first thing I'm seeing is Silvar has protection. I can give it indestructible basically whenever I want, because either I've already cast Trin and I can just sacrifice her, which is unfortunate, or preferably I can sacrifice the human she creates. Or he. Uh... I think it's she. I'm not sure. Um, but that, that works. Um, I don't see very much here. It could be a Voltron deck. It could be a Human Tribal deck. But they both don't seem quite right. Um, as I've said, Humans have a huge amount of cards. And I could definitely see a solid strategy out of a Human Sacrifice deck. But I don't know. I could definitely see it working, but I'm unsure. Next is another partner with uh, Haldan, a Vid Arcanist, is two and a blue for a one-four, and it partners with Paco Arcane Retriever, and it says you may play non-creature cards from exile with fetch counters on them, uh, if you exiled them, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells, and. Paco, Arcane Retriever, the card that is a hound that generates fetch counters is a 3-3 and it has partner with Haldan, and it has haste. And when it attacks, exile the top card of each player's library and put a fetch counter on each of them. Put a plus one, plus one counter on Paco for each non-creature card exiled this way. So... There's not too many things you can draw parallel to this. There is, oh man, I keep on drawing blanks on cards. Okay, so there's a card, it's 4 red red for a dinosaur 4-4. And when it attacks, you exile the top card of each player's library and you can cast them without paying their mana cost. Can't remember the name of that card, and that is consistently happening. Me forgetting. But, whatever. Uh, I think it's pretty solid. Um, I don't know. It looks a little bit weak. But I could definitely see it working. Uh, Haste is actually really helpful. Which is the only thing that salvages it. uh, Because you can definitely get those cards. And having to have Haldan out is also questionable even if paco were both halves of it i'd still be a little bit questioning so i think it's pretty weak but i think it's worth a shot um i'm unsure about it but it it could be good next is yukima stalking shadow one blue black for a tutu and it has partner with scissor unblockable, and when it leaves the battlefield it deals x damage to target player and you gain x life, where x is power. And Yukima is 3 and a green, uh, partner, 3-3. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, put a plus one plus one counter on that creature. This seems weak to me. A lot of these things seem weak, but overall it is good, and you can be switching out these commanders. Actually, all the Space Commanders are pretty good. I just think that there's some cards in here that are kind of questionable and not that good. So, basically, on turn 3 you cast Yukima, on turn 4 you cast Scissor, and you can attack with Yukima. And then it's a 3-3? First of all, you don't have any way of making it leave the battlefield and it only deals x damage to target player you can't target creatures and it's only one player so sure you also gain x life but either way you're not ending up with that huge of a payoff on turn four it's a three three on turn five it's a four four on turn six it's a. on turn six it's a five five it's just not quite there. I mean, sure, I'm getting small amounts of value, and I can get a very small payoff at some point when I want to make a sack outlet and then do that. It just seems, it seems weak. Um, I do think, yeah. And and what are you supposed to do with your deck? Make more unblockable creatures? Just have a deck full of Random one ones that just attack and get plus one plus one counters on them. I mean that seems solid, right? Every single combat, y- it's basically Edric, but the payoff instead of drawing cards is getting plus one plus one counters on it. I don't know. Um, with throwing in a lot of basically flying men like Edric, uh, it could definitely be solid. Um, I could definitely see some type of ninja thing with this. I could see it working, but I would equate it to an Edric deck. Not an Edric deck. Um, I'm not sure what to equate it to, but I feel like it could definitely work, but it'd be really hard to actually get there to actually win. Next up is Nikara, Lair Scavenger. Uh, two and a black for 2-2. Two, two, partner with Yannick Menace. Whenever another creature you control leaves the battlefield, if it had one or more counters on it, you draw a card and you lose a life. So, it's like a bad Grim Horror Specs? No, not really. Because Grim Horror Specs doesn't trigger off tokens. So, eh, I don't know. Oh, uh, the Partner Commander is Yannick scavenging sentinel to green white for a vigilance creature and when it enters the battlefield uh it's a 3-3 uh you exile another target creature you control until it leaves the battlefield when you do distribute x plus one plus one counters among any number of target creatures where x is the exiled creature's power so i'm thinking flicker because Nakara triggers when they leave the battlefield the issue is it's in Abzan so You don't get too many flicker spells. I mean you get the white ones um But you don't get the blue ones. There are plenty of playable one white ones though. Um so I guess the idea is you flicker Yannick and you can distribute your counters around and then you flicker your hold field and then you flicker Yannick. I mean, you need a lot of in, Um, it would be weird. I could definitely see it working. Uh, It'd be very difficult to brew. Uh, Quite strange, but I could definitely see something playable coming out of this. Um, Next up is decoy gambit two and a blue for an instant for each opponent choose up to one target creature that player controls then return that creature to its owner's hand unless its controller has you draw a card so this i i don't know honestly it's all right um most of the time your opponents are probably just gonna let you um let you bounce it uh, sorry, let you draw. So, I mean, if, if we look at it that way, it's three mana, draw three, but it's worse than that because your opponents can let it bounce. And sometimes your opponents won't have it. And the other question is, when are you casting this? Because sure, it's an instant, which is nice, but you have to wait. You have to wait until you have a good opportunity to cast it. I'm just thinking, maybe. Maybe, but it has to be in the right deck. You have to have something you can do to make this a little bit of a harder decision. Make it work with your deck at least a little bit. Maybe even if it's that instant part of it. Maybe you have a lot of counter spells, so if they do bounce it. Maybe you know your opponents will have a creature because of the downside of your commander, for example. I don't know. But the idea is just because if your opponent doesn't have a creature, then you're really losing out but the main idea is it's okay if you need draw if you need if you're in the right set of circumstances this could definitely work but it's not always a great idea in fact it rarely is okay i'm gonna go to the rest of the partner whiz because i just kind of skipped over them uh i think there's only one more Oh uh, yeah that is correct there's only one more we have Brawlin, Sky Shark Raider, Rider, oh. three and a red for three three, and partner with Shabraz the Sky Shark. And whenever you discard a card, put a plus one plus one counter on Brawlin, and it deals one damage to each opponent. And red target shark gains trample until end of turn. And uh, partner with, and Shabraz is three, white, blue for three, three, partner with Frowlin, flying whenever you draw a card, put a plus one, plus one counter on Shabraz and gain a life. And white, blue, target human gains flying until turn. So, first of all, who knows? You could just give, you, you could just build shark human tribal. That would be awesome. Okay, actually, so what you could do what they want you to do is cycle what the best thing to do is wheels so wheels are basically things that just replace your hand so first of all you're discarding your entire hand in the case of most wheels which are gonna be the ones you're playing clearly so basically this is another locust god deck another similar deck to that and because of Gralin, you're going to want to focus more on Gralin because you're dealing one damage to each opponent. That is amazing because you're only going to have to trigger, you're only going to have to discard 40 cards. And I know that seems like a lot, but if you've ever played against or with Locust God, you know. Imagine you only have to create 40 tokens and your opponents are helping you. They're killing, They're killing each other. So that seems great. Um, honestly, I have a Locust God deck, and I'm getting a lot, like a lot of pieces for it. Um, I'm getting Brownlin I'm getting. Uh, okay, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head right now, but I am getting a lot of pieces. So this is a pretty cool deck, either with Cycling, which does actually work quite well, or with a Wheels deck, which much much better and I think it's really interesting Um, I might build a deck around it but I don't think so I think I'll just keep it in the 99 of locust god by that I just mean brawlin specifically um but and again uh, you could also compare this to oh man I cannot remember the names of cards today one red red for creature uh, whenever you're attacking, you can uh, activate this activated ability of One in a Red to draw a card, then discard a card. And whenever you discard a card, each opponent takes you deal a damage to each opponent. What is that card called? Oh, okay. Um, just continuing. Absolutely forgetting card names. Um, so those are all the um, partner commanders. I think most of them are solid. Yannick and Nakara look interesting. bralin and uh, Shabraz look interesting. Halden and Paco look questionable but could work. Suzur so and Yukima look interesting, could work, probably not. Uh, and Trin and Silvar just look kind of bad. Um, Let's get into, let's see, the free cycle. So, people are talking about this cycle a lot because it's insanely broken. So, basically, these- this cycle are just instants or one sorcery, I believe, um, that have the text, if you control a commander, you may cast this spell without paying its mana cost. I don't- I don't need to tell you why that's broken, because all three things are broken, just about. Um... And I'm just gonna go ahead and read them. They're not as broken as most free spells because at least at least there's a condition But they're incredibly broken still So we have detecting swat Detecting swat is two and a red for an instant if you control your commander Oh, sorry a commander You may cast the spell without paying its mana cost and you may choose new targets for target spell or ability so this, of all of the ones, is one of the least less powerful ones. Um, it is solid protection though. If you just want a protection spell for your commander that will work once, then that is quite, quite useful because almost all uh, cards that will remove your commander will be targeted. So, this is quite good but it's not nearly as broken as the others. Next up is Ears' Guardianship. This one is amazing. Uh, Two in a blue for an instant. If you control a commander, you may cast this spell without paying its mana cost. Counter target non-creature spell. This thing is broken. I would definitely put this among some of the most powerful counter spells ever printed. Obviously, Force of Will, Pact of Negation, uh, what's that? Mana Drain. There's a lot of better counterspells than this, but for the average Joe who doesn't have $100 to blow on a counterspell, I would easily put this top five counterspells. It is quite amazing, and for me, who doesn't have those $100 counterspells, I will probably slot it into a few decks. Uh, this is also just basically, I mean, it, nowadays you can't say strictly better or too modern for that here, but it, it's much better than Negate um, in most situations. Yes, it is one more mana, but I would say that that one less one more mana is worth it being free most of the time, especially because Negate a lot of the time, the thing you're trying to do is use it as protection. Also, a great thing about this is if you want protection for your commander, you don't have to wait two extra turns to be able to hold up that negate mana to actually protect your commander. You've been in that position before and you know it. You don't have to hold up that mana, you just get it free. So, yeah, some of the time you're going to have to pay extra mana but when you don't so much better um i mean i can't i can't say completely confidently that it's a strictly better um negate but it's better it's just not strictly better you know what i mean uh flawless maneuver two and a white for an instant if you control a commander you may cast this spell without paying its mana cost creatures you control gain indestructible until end of turn this i would say is the best board protection spell that i can think of um probably like normal counter spells are better um because they're much more versatile um but you you get the idea um your entire board game is indestructible 90 percent of the time you're going to be casting this because someone wrathed. And 90% of the time that you want your board protected from a wrath. You're going to have your commander. If your deck is at, at all built around your commander. Um, so this is quite good. It is great board protection. And there, there are other uses for indestructible too. Um, yeah. Uh, next up is Obscuring Haze. Uh. 2 and a green for an instant. If you control a commander, you may cast the spell without paying its mana cost. Prevent all damage that would be dealt this turn by creatures your opponents control. So, this is a fog, but it's free. I would say it's solid fog, and if you want fogs, go ahead. But if you don't want fogs, don't start running fogs because of this card. I mean, if... If this is just the, your wake-up call that you realize, oh, this deck actually does need fogs, sure. But if not, this is not a powerful enough card to just run in any deck. Uh, there are certainly a lot of well, there's at least one fog. Oh man, why? Why can't I think of names of cards? One in a green for a fo- for a sorcery sorcery or no, it's an instant and you can sacrifice a land to buy it back and it prevents all combat damage that would be dealt this turn so that would certainly go that can certainly go in any deck um but this i don't think it can maybe maybe you could just slide in randomly to a deck and i don't think you'd be completely disappointed with it i just don't think it would live up to the potential that that slot in your deck has. Next up is Deadly Rollick, Three and a black for an instant. If you control a commander, you may cast this spell without paying its mana cost. Exile, target, creature. This is quite good. Now, there's, people say that black has amazing removal, and they're right. At the two CMC slot and the three CMC slot, there is. And where, But where Black's removal really gets amazing is when it goes across multiple colors. White Black, Green Black, all those things. If you're in Mono Black, you don't have that great of removal. Now, I'm not saying Deadly Rollick isn't good enough to be in multicolored decks. I'm just saying don't put it in multicolored decks unless you have a low CMC commander and you don't have too many colors or too many options. This is certainly... An amazing piece of removal, and I would put this in a lot of black decks, especially mono black. Because, but there are also a lot of other options. And if you can't, if this does get really expensive, which honestly at this point I don't know, um, I'm not an MTG finance person. Um, If I ever say anything finance related, just ignore it because I I I literally know nothing about it. I'm just the one person, yes, I am part of discord community and I listen to a podcast about MTG Finance, but I don't really know very much about it. I haven't been buying the actionable cards and selling them, doing all of these things, and I haven't really thought of any actionable cards either, so I don't really understand how it all ticks. So if I say anything finance related, I'm probably wrong. Uh, who knows, I might get lucky. But I don't really know that much about it. Um, so listen to someone who does know about it. There's a million different ways that you could get that information. That aren't me. Um, next up are just general creatures. Um, I didn't really categorize these because they didn't really need to be, mostly. Uh, first of all, we have a Cartographer's Hop, which is one in a white for 2-1 with flying, and when it deals combat damage to a player who controls more lands than you, return it to its owner's hand. If you do, you may search your library for a planes card, put it on the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. This is. It's either this or another card, which I'll read after it, um, that is the repeatable ramp card in white. That is great. There is almost always somebody who is just ramping like crazy. Sadly, a lot of the time they're ramping with mana rocks, not lands, but a lot of the time you're playing with someone who has a lot of land. And assuming that you're gonna get one off of this, you're almost always gonna get that. You might even be able to get two. I mean, sadly, if your opponents don't accelerate at all, sometimes you don't get it, but it also can be great insurance if you miss a land drop because you just are always on pace with your opponents. Unless they're ramping one land a turn, which isn't particularly uncommon, but it's certainly not common. So a lot of the time you're gonna be able to get multiple lands off of this and it's great to just throw white a bone. Sadly, I think a lot of people say, oh, white doesn't have great ramp. And they're right, white does not have great ramp, but artifacts are great ramp. And while it sucks to rely on artifacts and a lot of these, um planes or land ramp cards are going to go in a lot of white decks and they're going to help it a little bit. The biggest issue is white is they can't get card advantage. They don't have a way to get great card advantage. There's a million different ways around this and there's a lot of smart decks, interesting decks that have ways around this a lot of different ways you can build into your decks to do this but without doing that it it just flounders you know it's very difficult to just build a white deck without thinking super consciously okay how am i going to solve this and then making alterations to your deck because of that and sure you could say oh by putting ramp in my green deck i'm thinking about it and thinking how to solve it but no it's not the same, it's really not the same. Okay, uh, the other potential card they're talking about, it might just be both, it might just be one, it doesn't really matter either way, uh, is Verge Rangers, which is two and a white for three, three, first strike. And you may look at the top card of your library any, t- any, any time, and as long as an opponent controls more lands than you, you may play lands from the top of your library. So, again, I legitimately forgot the card name again 3 and a green for a creature 3-3 three, three. and you may look at the top card of your library at any time actually no it's revealed uh play with the top card of your library revealed and you may play land cards uh from uh, I'm not sure exactly what it says uh you may play land cards from the top of your library and I think you get an additional land drop. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure actually, but uh, I just realized this doesn't actually give you an additional land drop, so clearly they're talking about the other one. Um, but it is great because you can sort of get card advantage from this, as I was just talking about. Sadly, getting card advantage through lands, while it can be helpful, is not the card advantage that we are looking for. because sure, The next time I'm going to draw a card, and it might not be a land, but when I, yes, I am getting a little bit ahead, but even so, I'm just not, I'm not getting, I'm not getting what I, need. getting lands, sure, it's helpful, but it doesn't actually give me, it doesn't actually give me, uh, any cards that I can play for. Because white, it rec- it uses all its cards, and then it just kind of, it's out, you know? And sure, you could use recursion, but all the recursion is super limited. And there's not really even that much great recursion. People say, oh, use recursion, but it, it works sometimes. But it's not a perfect solution. Alright, next card is Nascent Metamorph. Nascent Metamorph is... One and a, for a 1-1 creature shapeshifter and it says whenever nascent metamorph attacks or blocks target opponent reveals cards from the top of their library until they reveal a creature card nascent metamorph becomes a copy of that card until end of turn then that player puts all cards revealed this way on the bottom of their library in a random order so, basically, if your opponents wants, want to block or attack into you, you're, you and they are both gambling because you never know what's going to happen. And if you get lucky, you might get an effect. Um, there aren't too many effects you could get. You could get an activated ability, but that costs mana. You can't get an ETB. You can't get too many abilities. You can't get an advantage of most abilities, such as a triggered ability, uh, you usually can't take advantage of that. So you're not necessarily gonna get any additional benefit, other than like power and toughness. Honestly, it just kinda seems like a combat trick to me. Uh, it seems like they never know well, it's, what's gonna happen. Um, so it, it doesn't seem great, but uh, it's certainly worth considering. Uh, Next is Fireflex Squad, 3 in a red for a 4-3 with haste, and when it attacks, you may exile another target attacking creature you control. If you do, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature card. Put that card onto the battlefield tapped and attacking, and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So, basically you can swap another attacking creature you control, so that could be anything, that could just be a token, for example. And then you get a creature card from your library. So first of all, there are a lot of decks that, well not a lot, but there are a couple of decks that care about having exactly one creature. Uh, I just realized while I thought of that thought that that doesn't work because uh, Fireflex Squad is a creature. But if you have a small amount of creatures, and you know you are likely to get something significant, and you have token producers for example, or something like that, you can definitely get value off of this. Um, I would say in most decks this is definitely not good, but in certain decks you could take advantage of it. Another place you could take advantage of it is in a library uh, manipulation. you order the top of your deck but there's a lot of different ways to do it next is species specialist two black black for two three and when it enters the battlefield choose a creature type whenever a creature type of the chosen type uh, whenever a creature of the chosen type dies you may draw a card there are a lot of different things you can do that do with this the first thing is the locust god Locust God, whenever you draw a card, create a token. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, you could easily combo off with that. Second thing is just zombies or some other tribe. You're going to bring it back and forth over and over and over again. Uh, third thing is... um, It totally depends. I mean, if you're playing a Reanimator deck, you might not even need to be playing a try, if you just name one of the creatures that you're going to be reanimating over and over again and you reanimate that two three maybe even four times look at that you just drew two three four cards for four mana plus you got a two three body to boot so that is pretty good i would say it goes in a lot of decks um but It looks pretty bad on first look, I will say. Uh, and I'm not sure. I'm kind of undecided in whether or not this should just go in a random tribal deck. Um, because it's good if you get wrathed, but also, like, you want to have your, um, you want to have your whatever creature type you're doing. Uh, So, if you have a lot of tokens of that creature type, it could definitely be good, too. Um, There's a lot of different places, but in human decks or in warrior decks, it's awesome because it is that creature type. Also, it's generally amazing in warrior decks. Um, So, yeah, there's that. Uh, Surly Badger badger Badgersaur. Uh, 3 and a red for creature, badger, dinosaur. Whenever you discard a creature card, put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on Surly Badgersaur. Badgersaur. Whenever you discard a land card, create a treasure token. And whenever you discard a non-creature, non-land card, Surly Badgersaur fights up to one target creature you control. So, we just had a card like this last year in the C19 decks. And I think it will go in a lot of different decks. Um it's fine, it's not as good as the other versions of it, but it can certainly go in a lot of decks. Next is Tidal Barracuda. Three and a blue or a 3 4 fish Any player may cast spells as though they had flash. And your opponents can't cast spells during your turn. I mean I don't know it's good if you can take advantage of flash but then your opponents also get flash If you can gleam a significant benefit from flash I would say it is worth money. otherwise I, I don't really think so um yeah having your opponents not be able to cast spells during your turn though is actually surprisingly useful because it 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 is protection you know because they can't counter your stuff they can't wait to see if you have the other half of the combo you know like if you played out one half of a combo they can't check they can't wait until it's your turn to see if you play out that combo they just have to get rid of it so it is protection and that is nice but I'd say it's it's alright, it's mediocre. But you have to be careful when you're running it. Uh, I do think the same way about Vidalc and Ori, actually. I think it's incredibly slow and has a very small upside on most decks. While being able to have perfect information and great options, not perfect information, close and in a lot of information, and and a lot of options is quite nice. I would say if you don't have synergy with it, it's not worth a card, and it's not worth four mana. It's just a lot. Um, in turn, I, I'd say the same thing about Title by I think it's I think it's a slightly worse version of Vidalcan Orrery, unless you can take advantage of the body. Um, but it's alright. I don't know. Uh, next is Widwin. Uh, Widwin the Biting Gale. Which is 2 blue black for 3-3. Three, three, flash blank. Blue black. Pay one life. Return it to its owner's hand. Um. Yes. Yeah, it's a 3-3. Three, three. So basically it's bad. I don't really have much else to say about it. I don't know if I'm missing something but to me it just it just looks bad I don't really see I don't see anything here honestly it just it just looks bad I don't know why they printed it what what it's doing here I don't know maybe I'm missing something but I don't think so um you will notice I didn't actually include any Mutate cards, because uh, Mutate, while it is good in Mutate decks, is only notable if you're building a, new- a Mutate deck. And if you are building a Mutate deck, you can just do a scryfall search for Mutate. And boom! You have all the cards right in front of you. So honestly I'm not helping anyone by going over the Mutate cards. And- Unless I am telling you the Commanders or what it generally does. Well, and I will say, of the Mutate cards, I honestly was surprised how effective, how much power the abilities of Mutate had. There's one that grabs a land, there's one that draws, there's one, one that reveals the top card of your library where X is the number of reveals x cards from the top of your library where x is the number of times it's mutated and you just get to put those onto the field i'm not sure if that works with mutate like if you flip over a mutate if you can mutate that onto it i don't think so because you have to cast it for the mutate cost but i'm not sure yeah no no you can't do that sadly but whatever that'd be nice if you did. um yeah so th- there's a lot of good cards uh that have mutate but i'm not gonna go Next is Herald of the Forgotten, 6 white white for 6-6 six, six flying unit and it enters the battlefield. If you cast it, return any number of target permanent cards with cycling abilities from your graveyard to the battlefield. So this is hopefully just a win condition, uh, you never know, but that's what it hopefully is. Um, it is 8 mana, I think it works in a cycling deck it can definitely win you the game. Next up is Netherborn Altar. Netherborn Altar is one and a black for an artifact. Tap, put a soul counter on Netherborn Altar. Put your commander into your hand from the command zone. Then you lose three life for each soul counter on Netherborn Altar. First of all, they're throwing Phage decks a bone. Yay. Other than that, I don't really see anywhere. I mean I'd consider running it in most decks that you want to recast your commander over and over again such as like Sidisi or something. But even then it, it's questionable. If you have a really cheap no nah, I don't know. Honestly, I think it's just generally bad. It's an interesting thing and you can work with it, but I don't think I don't think it should go in almost any decks it's much much better to run a piece of protection than it is to have to get it back into your hand I mean with this the first time you're saving 2 mana you might be saving 4 maybe even 6 who knows but the odds of you even using it the odds of you even casting it and you do have to pay that life and there's so many other better cards so my position on it is I think it's pretty bad Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, it just looks pretty bad to me. Next up is Manascape Refractor. Three for an artifact. It enters the battlefield tapped. And it has all activated abilities of all lands on the battlefield. And you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to pay the activation costs of Manascape Refractor's abilities. So... First of all, this is a mana rock, because you know, it's just a mana rock. Second of all, it has combo potential. I have not seen, I don't think I've seen any infinite combos with it yet, but I'm sure there are many. I don't think there's any, I doubt, I'm not sure if there are any particularly powerful infinite combos with it, but I'm sure that there are many. Um, in terms of just general combos, uh, there are a lot of those, um, I mean you've got dark depths, of course, you've got a lot of different things, but even then, actually no, it it doesn't work with dark depths, that, that doesn't work, but there are a lot of different combos with it, um, I, I could list some, but what's the point, I mean it's a good deck, it's a good card. And it can go in a lot of decks if you have the cards to work with it it is not worth putting the cards in to make it work with that because that most of those combos will not win you the game they'll just give you value or give you something uh, so it's a good card and it can be quite a quite good mana rock with some upside if you have any synergy in the deck. That's the good thing about it is it is a mana rock. So, you don't really need much of an excuse to run it in your deck. If you only have two or three cards in the deck and you're okay with having a three mana mana rock, for example, if you have a 5 CMC commander, then you're fine with that because most of the time it'll just be a mana rock and that'll be fine. And some of the time you'll get a small benefit from just random synergies, and every once in a while you'll get a huge benefit from that. Those one or two synergies that are just amazing with it. Okay, next up is Twinning, twinning Staff, which is three or an artifact. And if you would copy a spell one or more times, instead copy it that many times plus an additional time. You may choose new targets for the additional copy and it says seven tap copy target instant or sorcery spell you control you may choose new targets for the copy so as i said before i think i was actually wrong um before i said it's just another spell slinger deck and that's not all unique i think that was wrong i think it is a spell slinger deck but I think more specifically it's a spell slinger copy deck. So that is definitely a new archetype and I do think that could be quite interesting. So that works with that one archetype. And there's basically one commander that fits into that archetype. And there are plenty of cards that fit into that archetype. So while it is pretty rare to have a deck that you would want to put this in, I mean, I don't think it goes into anything other than column X. Uh I can't think of any other clone spells deck. Uh, maybe I'm missing something, but whatever. Next up is Lava Brink Floodgates. Three and a red for an artifact tap and red red. So, first of all, it's a mana rock. Um, if you have a, the right CMC of a commander, For example, if you have 7 cmc of a commander in red, which doesn't seem... I I can't think of any playable 7 cmc commanders in red, but you you get what I'm saying. If there's a... If you have a 7 cmc commander, it can be a great rock. Um, If not, it can also be a board wipe, or well, if also. So it can be, coincidentally, a rock. If it's not a mana rock and everybody wants the board to be wiped, or just most people. If it's most people, it'll take a little bit longer. You know what I mean. Basically, let me read the card. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player may put a doom counter on Lava Brink Floodgate, or remove a doom counter from it. Then if it has three or more doom counters on it, sacrifice Lava Brink floodgate when you do it deals six damage to each creature boom you got a wrath so if everybody wants the board to be wiped then boom you just did it so basically I don't know I think this is just an awkward CMC rock and a pretty bad wrath a because it doesn't get rid of all creatures B, because it only gets creatures. And C, because it's gonna either... It's gonna take time to do. And D, because other people need to want it to happen. And that's that's a lot of issues with it. So I think it's just bad at doing two things. That's the issue with a lot of modal things. And sometimes it's not like that. But I am sensing a thing with... Uh, the clock card. Two in a blue, and it has hour counters on it. I'm sensing a cycle here. I am sensing a cycle. Um, in terms of lands, we have one, and it is nesting grounds. Tap, add colorless. Well, we have lots of lands, but notable ones. Uh, and one tap, move a counter from target permanent you control onto another target permanent. Activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery. So, that, there are also lots of different um, uh, notable lands that fix and other things, but they were in other categories, and I already talked about them. So, uh, there are literally two more cards in the Commander decks that I find notable, which, I have been talking about this for very long, and as you probably can tell, my voice is kind of dying. Uh, so, this is the category of cards that I will analyze, slash, I have analyzed. Um, I think I'm just gonna move card card of the week to the middle of this episode, or no. No, I'll do it at the end of this episode. Uh, one of these I just analyzed for this week. One of them I will do in the future. Uh, the one for the future is Call the Copper Coats, two and a white for an instant. Strive. This spell costs one and a white more to cast for each target beyond the first. Choose any number of target opponents. Create X-1-1 one, one white human seal soldier creature tokens, where X is the number of creatures those opponents control. Boom. There you go. You can get tokens, and that can be good in some sort of deck that just wants tokens. Um, basically, I'm just going to try and figure out how many cards you're going to get off of this for different pangs of this drive. Uh The card I analyzed this week, and I will tell you how many beasts you will get. At the end of the episode is Curious Horde. Herd, uh, Curious Herd is three in a green for an instant. Choose target opponent you create x33 green beast creature tokens where x is the number of artifacts that player controls so that is the c2020 decks and i think that they are great i would love to buy these and i can't wait for it to come out all right Whew it is time to get into the icoria cards so um there's about as many cards notable in icoria as there are notable in the c2020 decks and i did categorize them so first off i'm going to go i'm gonna i'm just gonna name some of the cycles first of all we have 10 cards with companion In each color identity. Um, So companion. If you do not know. Is basically. You can put this card. In your sideboard. Uh, It's quite strange. It still works even though there's no sideboard. In commander. There's literally a specific. Well I'm not sure if it's a rule yet. Because I don't know when. Rules changes happen. Um, I think that. That would be on the 12th. If I remember right, Um, but the point is, um, yes it does work in Commander, there's a specific rule that says that. Uh, I'm I'm not sure how it works, because it doesn't really make sense, but it just says it works. So I guess we'll wait until those official rulings come out, but I'm not a judge. I would like to think that I'm good at knowing how rules work, but I'm not, so... You know, uh, next, so basically there are certain restrictions of your death that you have to follow. And if you do, you can cast it from outside of the game and it starts outside of the game. So, it's quite strange. Um, and they are all legendary creatures and they are all uh, two color Uh, There's 10 of them, so each guild has one, and they all have hybrid mana and their costs. Uh, There are the ultimatums. So this is a finishing of a cycle. So this is the finishing of a cycle. And they're basically uh, two color... Two of one color, three of another color, and two of another color. So basically and then they just have like some giant effect and they're all sorceries uh there was a cycle of this earlier uh the other half of the cycle and this is just finishing that cycle um i'm not sure if this is the quote-unquote reimagining of an old cycle or whatever they said but that is that would make sense all right Next up is, uh, there are also just like a cycle of three color legends, at this point I'm not sure whether or not they're a cycle, I think they are, no they definitely are, so they're in three colors, um, and they have mutate, is basically it, Um, there are three color enchants, this is the thing I wasn't sure, whether to consider it a cycle, but... Nah, nah, it's definitely a cycle. Um, they're basically enchantments that have three colors in them, and then they have some type of effect. I mean, that's basically what, It's like, it's kind of a cycle, but not really. Uh, then there's a cycle of two-color legends that's basically the only mechanical similarity is that they're two colors and that they're legendaries. Uh, there's... That's... I mean, it's kind of a cycle. Probably not. I mean, there comes a point where it's like, is it really a cycle, or is it just wizards trying to be color-balanced? I don't know. Um, sort of. Maybe, I don't know. Um, there's also Mythoses. Mythi. Whatever you would call those things. There's also Mythoses. Um, which are cards that are... Uh, With the exception of one. they are two color-color. And if you pay two other colors, so like white-blue, for example, um, then you get an additional, rather, more like a bonus to the effect you already got. With the exception of Mythos of Nethroi, which is two and a black. And instead of black-black, so it's three mana. It's also an instant, unlike all the other ones. And it... Also, it does keep that you have to pay color, color. Well, not color, other color. Uh, it's it's kind of weird just to have this one outlier. It looks like they, it seems like they just probably changed it right at the end. So let's keep on going with the cards. So first of all, we have the Tricycle Lands. I don't know if that's what the internet is calling them, but that's what the internet should be calling them. Because they're three color and they have cycle. And it fits with the theme of the bicycle lands. Which are the two color ones that have cycle, cycling. So I'm going to call them the tricycle lands. And I don't know if anyone else is calling them that. But they should be. And they probably are because it would make logical sense. Um, I actually never read what they did. So they are lands. And they have three land types. They enter the battlefield tapped, and you can cycle them for three. So, needless to say, these are amazing lands, and they are better tap lands. And they have—they are better tap lands because a) they have cycling, and b) they have three types. By tap lands, I mean three-color tap lands. So, tri lands. Um. They're amazing, well, there are five of them in the cycle, I believe, I will have to, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure that there's just five, and that they're gonna have to finish the cycle at some point in the future. There are also, I don't know what to call them, but there's just mana rocks, so there are three color mana rocks, They're three mana, you can tap them for basically one of three colors, and you can cycle them for two. And there are five of those, so I don't know if you've noticed or not, but the limited set of this is going to have amazing fixing. Like, first of all, they've got the tap lands and they've got the tri lands. Well, the tri lands are rares, but they've got the in they've got the um, mana rocks. It's gonna have really good fixing, um, which is interesting. Okay, so um, that is most i think that's all the cycles uh yes yes that would be all of the cycles so i'm gonna start going over actual cards now so first of all we have extinction event three and a black for sorcery choose odd or even exile each creature with converted mana cost of the chosen value zero is even so uh it's a very corner case scenario wrath Sometimes it's useful. Most of the time, it's not. Um, it's basically all it is in very specific decks where you care about uneven. That could be useful. Next, I'm gonna actually go in a logical order and start reading the cards of the cycles I just made. So, first of all, we have the mytho- mythos. Me- mythosis. Um, I have multiple mythos. I don't know what to call them. Okay. Uh, Mythos of Nethroi is two and a black for a for an instant. Destroy target non-lane permanent if it's a creature, or if green, white was spent to cast the spell. And Mythos of Brachos is two green green for sorcery. If blue black was spent to cast the spell, search your library for a card, put that card into your graveyard, then show up your library, and you return up to two target permanent or return up to two permanent cards. From your graveyard to your hand, Mythos of Luna, or Mythos of Nethroi, I should probably actually talk about them, is pretty solid removal. Uh, it's not some of the best removal, it, it's, I'd say it's very good removal. It's not necessarily the best removal that there is, but it is probably like top five for Abzan, so it's gonna go in almost all Abzan decks. Mythos of Brokos, Brokos is a better demonic tutor, sorry, better diabolic tutor, and, I mean, it's fine, hard to get the fixing for, just depends on how good your fixing is, Uh, but if you want the recursion, could definitely go in. Mythos of Luna, 2 blue blue for sorcery, create a token that's a copy of target permanent, If if red-green was spent to cast this spell, instead create a token that's a copy of that permanent. Except the token has, when this permanent enters the battlefield, if it's a creature, it fights up to one target creature you don't control. So either, so either I can get, so basically it's just a copy effect which can be useful in some decks, but for four man, it's kind of inefficient. Next up is Mythos of Snap DAX. Two, white, white, or sorcery. Each player chooses an artifact, enchantment a creature, an enchantment, and a planeswalker from among the non land permanents they control, then sacrifices the rest. If red, black was spent to cast this spell, instead you choose the permanents for each player. So Oh, man. Why can I not think of card names? So there is a card, three white, white, that has the effect that you get if you pay the red, black. Uh, I think it just depends on how good your fixing is. Uh, It's basically that. Uh, Mythos of Vadrock is two red, red for sorcery deals 5 damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures and or planeswalkers. If white blue was spent to cast this spell until your next turn those permanents can't attack or block and their activated abilities can't be activated. So basically this is just a terrible card. Um yeah that's, that's all there is to that. Um okay next cycle is the two color legends. So we have two bill Bane of Monsters, black, green for 1 3 Legendary Creature Human rogue with Death Fetch. At the beginning of your upkeep, if your opponent's control no permanents with bounty counters on them, put a bounty counter on target creature or planeswalker an opponent controls. And whenever a permanent an opponent controls with a bounty counter on it dies, you gain 3 life and draw a card. So. Uh, It's just a way So unlike most bounty counter commanders, I think there's two others, maybe one Uh, Red white black. I'm not sure Um, But unlike most bounty counter commanders it only incentivizes that you kill it not that an opponent kills it Which is fine Um, It's it's a way to get card draw which Kind of, it's all right. Honestly, I'm not. I'm. I mean, you can't build around it too much without just running a lot of removal. And you could definitely get benefit from it, but there's not too much you can do. Next is Keenan, Bonder Prodigy. Green, blue for two two. Whenever you tap a non-land permanent for mana, add one mana of any type that permanent produced. Non-land. Your lands don't get doubled, only your non-lands. Which is great, because that means it's gonna be running mana rocks, so it can actually be disassembled. Finally, a green, blue commander that's not just value. You have to actually go one inch out of your way to get the value. Stop making such basic freaking simic Commanders that just give you benefit for what? Oh, I'm playing Mana Rocks now, not Land Ramp. It doesn't matter. It's the same thing, and it's got an uh, an activated ability to boot. Five green and blue. Look at the top five cards your library. You may put a non-human creature from among them on the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in random order. Yay! Now it can cheat giant creatures into play. How great. Just, come on. I mean, at least they tried. I think I think they tried for this one, and I think they failed, but I think it's good that they at least tried. Next is General Crudro of Drannith. One white-black for 3-3. Three, three. Other humans you control get plus one plus one, and when it... When it or another human enters the battlefield under your control, exile target card from an opponent's graveyard. And 2. Sacrifice two humans. Destroy target creature with power 4 or greater. So um, basically you could just, I mean, it's like a bad human commander, I mean it, it's not really helpful to get rid of opponents graveyards, it doesn't really synergize, while sure it is great to have graveyard hate, having it on your commander isn't particularly helpful, in fact it's quite annoying for the person you're playing against that is running their graveyard deck, and as of the pump that's kind of just a worse version of the other human commander and as of sacrificing two humans to destroy target creature with power four or- Well, that is nice. It's not really- it doesn't really do much. Sure, it can be helpful, but it's- it's a small effect. Um, plus, I mean, it's kind of like a little hate commander a little bit. You're gonna destroy all your opponent's creatures, you're gonna exile opponent's graveyards. I'm not gonna say it is, but it's it's just kind of bad. I, I wouldn't really. I just think the other uh, Mardu commander is much better. But maybe if you want to do an Orzhov deck rather than a Mardu one, I could, you see, I could see you doing a General Kudro deck. Or you could just play the Mardu one and not actually use Ren in your deck. That could also be a thing you could do. Who knows? Whatever. Uh, next is Riel, the Everwise. One blue, red, for a zero, three. It gets plus one, plus zero for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. And whenever you discard one or more cards for the first time each turn, draw that many cards. So this is basically a wheel deck, most likely. Um, And it's going to go into a lot of pre-existing wheel decks. Such as Nekusar, Locust God, Niv-Mizzet, all of these things. It's just going to slot into there quite nicely. And yeah, I mean, it's just a huge benefit. If you're going to wheel, you're just drawing that many cards. Say you're discarding three or four cards, you just get them. All back which is awesome. Um, sadly it's for the first time each turn, but it also says each turn, not during your turn. Next up is Winota, joiner of forces. 2 red white for 4-4, four, four. legendary creature human warrior. Whenever a non-human creature you control attacks, look at the top six cards of your library. You may put a human creature card from among them onto the battlefield tapped and attacking it gains indestructible until end of turn. Put the rest of the cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. So there's a lot of different workarounds to the whenever a non-human creature you control attacks, you get a human. At first glance, it looks like you have to split your deck, but you don't. You can use non-human sources that create human tokens, or more likely, and more powerful. Humans that create non-human tokens. That is how you really take advantage of it. And uh, someone in a Discord server I'm in brewed a deck, and they said it can start to threaten a win on turn 4. Now, I don't think they've actually played against real people. I just think in playtesting it and that... It is very fast out of the gate, and can kill quite quickly. So I think that's a very effective commander, and you have to be careful when you're building it to include all of those cards. But if you are careful with how you do it, and you approach it intentionally, then it should work well. Alright, next up is the three color enchantment cycle. So, these are just enchantments that are three, that have three colors in their cost. Uh, first, we have the Jeskai one. It is one red, blue, white, and whenever you cast a non-creature spell, draw a card. There's a lot of different cards in Jeskai that just give you benefit from casting non-creature spells and drawing a card is a really good benefit. This will make a lot of decks much better. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not, there's not really much to it. Death's Oasis. White, black, green. Whenever a non-token creature you control dies, put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard. Then, return a creature card with lesser converted mana cost than the creature that died from your graveyard to your hand. One, sacrifice Death's Oasis. You gain life equal to the greatest converted mana cost among creatures you control so basically it's just a way to self-mill in a deck that either wants self-mill probably not or a deck that wants self-mill and death so which is actually a lot of decks such as Marin for example plus you can get your card then you can return cards with lesser CMC to your hand. First of all, I'm sure there's a whole lot of combos with this, Um, I mean, yeah, there's not really much. It's a solid card and can slot very well into a lot of different decks. Song of creation, one, green, blue, red for an enchantment. You may play an additional land on each of your turns. Whenever you cast a spell, draw two cards. And at the beginning of your end step, discard your hand. So, this is pretty insane in my opinion. There's a lot of debate on discarding your hand, potentially ruining it. But, I don't really think it is. I think being able to play an additional land and drawing two cards for Every single spell you cast is enough to let you win in that turn. If you discard your hand and you go around the table and you draw again, then you have pretty high odds of not getting a land. Of getting a land and just whiff it. So I think if if your deck is not built in a way that you can win that turn, I don't think you should include it. But if your deck is built in that way, go ahead. Or if you potential, you could also potentially cast your commander in order to get that trigger. But in storm decks, for example, this is amazing. Next is Titan's Nest. One black, green, blue for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. You may put that card into your graveyard. Exile a card from your graveyard, add colorless. This mana, only spend this mana only to cast a colored spell without X in its mana cost. So, honestly, this is insane. This just, first of all, it mills you every turn. And it's a may, so it helps filter what you wanna draw and what you wanna mill. Second of all, You can delve on anything. Sure, it says spend this mana only to cast a colored spell without X in its mana cost. Without X in its mana cost is honestly a pretty small downside. And only a colored spell, you're still hitting 80, probably at least 70% of spells you can just delve on, which is awesome that just makes things so much cheaper. And and delve, delve is an insanely broken mechanic. And giving that to everything, that's amazing. Next is Offspring's Revenge. Two red white black. At the beginning of your combat on your turn, exile target red, white or black creature from your graveyard. Create a token that's a copy of that card, except it's a one except it's 1/1. One, one, And it gains haste until your next turn. That is awesome. So, basically, it is... Man, I keep on forgetting card names. Uh, There's a 7 mana version of this that's on end step. And it makes 4-4s that don't have haste. But the great thing about this is they have haste. You can just attack with them and get attack triggers. You get the ETB. You get so many different things. So much benefit. In Commander, most of the time, the power and toughness is not the thing that makes the card powerful. So that is amazing. Next up, we have the companions. So... Companion, as I said before, it's basically a guideline, and then you can cast it from outside of the game. So, Kahira, the Orphan Guard, is 1 hybrid green-white, hybrid green-white for 3-2. Companion. Each creature card in your deck, in your starting deck, is a cat, elemental, nightmare, dinosaur, or beast card. So, that is quite hard to, um... Follow-by, I would expect, but it does give a hand to tribal decks of that, of any of those types. And it has vigilance, and each other creature you control that's cat, elemental, dinosaur, or beast gets plus one, plus one, and has vigilance. So the first thing we'll, while building this would I would do is pick a type. It's... Not really going to work if you try and build around multiple types, unless you want Kahira to be the only thing that gives you the benefit. Then, what I would do is I would look for cards that overlap cat elementals, elemental nightmares, beast cats, dinosaur cats. That's the thing, actually. All of those things, I would look for those, I would put them in because they would get plus two, plus two in vigilance and that would make them quite, quite good. And then I would probably go with the type that I picked. I would choose exactly, basically I would filter for cards that are that type, find all the, basically all the playable cards of that. And then I would, if I need more creatures or whatever, which who knows if I might I would pro I might branch out to the other types, but mainly it'd be a built around one co- one type. Next is Lurus. Um, Luris, Okay, wait. Actually, no. Uh, if it's multiple types, it does not get bene- It doesn't get double benefit. It says or, not. So it doesn't work. You don't get double benefit. My bad. Uh, Lurus of the Dream Den is 1 hybrid white-black hybrid white-black for 3-2 companion. Each permanent card in your deck- starting deck has converted mana cost 2 or less. And it has lifelink. And during each of your turns, you may cast 1 permanent spell with converted mana cost 2 or less from your graveyard. So, this is basically either a Aristocrats deck or an egg deck. Either way, it's incredibly hard to find a win condition. Sure, your, star- your instance or sorceries can be higher than cmc2, but then literally your only win condition that that gives you is the 10 mana thing that gives, uh, gives you 1-1 flyers for your life total, which is terrible. And second sunrise, which, not to dog on second sunrise, it's an amazing card. But that's one. That's one legitimate win card. That is one actual way that you can win. Next is the band card, Lutri the Spell Chaser. It is hybrid. Is one hybrid blue red. Hybrid blue red for three two legendary creature elemental otter companion. Each non land card. In your de- starting deck has a different name. It has flash, and when Lutri the spell, shaper, spell Chaser enters the battlefield, if you cast it, copy target instant or sorcery spell you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. So every single commander deck meets the requirement, which explains why it is completely justified that they banned it. Yep. Yeah. Um. Next is Zerda, the Dawnmaker. One hybrid, red, white, hybrid, red, white, for 3-3, companion. Each permanent card in your starting deck has an activated ability. And abilities you activate that aren't mana abilities cost 2 less to activate. This effect can't reduce the mana in that cost to less than 1 mana. And 1-tap target creature can't block this turn. So basically, this goes infinite with a lot of different cards, such as Basalt Monolith and Grim Monolith, and it can also be used as a synergy piece. I know someone has, I know of a list someone built, um, so I'll probably post that in the description. Uh, it seems like a really interesting commander. Um, as of the difficulty of meeting the companion, I think it would be difficult, but if you are dedicated to meeting that ability, you could. Next is Umori, the collector. Two hybrid black-green, hybrid black-green. For a 4-5 companion. Each non-land card in your deck, in your starting deck, shares a card type. So, and... As Mori enters the battlefield, choose a card type, spells your cast of the chosen type, cost one less cast. If you want to be if you want your opponents to be extremely confused with no benefit to yourself, name the name a type that isn't the type that all your cards sh- share. They will be very confused, and then you'll get absolutely no benefit. it and it'll be funny. Um, this seems interesting. I mean, I, if you think about it, there aren't too many things you could do. You could do, you could try and do eggs, um, which you can cast some free artifacts, but then you don't really get much of a benefit from it. I mean, it could work, but it wouldn't work very well. Uh, you could try, I don't know. Honestly, I mean you could do creatures you, you could just do creatures and have slight benefit. I Don't know. I think Yeah, I, I honestly don't know There isn't really any way that I can think of to break this card uh, Gigantha the wellspring four red green for a 5-5 five, five, companion no card in your starting deck has more than one of the same mana, cost, mana symbol in it's mana cost. And you can tap it to add white, blue, black, red, green. This mana can't be spent to pay generic mana costs. So I don't know, but I would assume meeting that companion is quite easy. I could be wrong but it looks pretty easy to me. Of course, you would have to make changes in your decks, but if you're careful with it, you would be making a small sacrifice. I mean, the downside of Gigantha is you're not really getting that much. I mean, it's great to have a giant mana rock, but not being able to spend it on generic mana costs makes it quite difficult to use really you're not going to be able to use most of the time more than two or three mana of that and i do think if you only have to make a small sacrifice in order to run it it can be amazing but if you have to make a larger sacrifice then i probably wouldn't but it totally depends on the deck okay next is karuga the macro sage, it is three hybrid green blue, hybrid green blue for a five-four companion. Your starting deck contains only cards with converted mana cost three or greater and land cards. So it is the opposite of Luris. So basically, that is much easier to meet than Lures, but it is still difficult to not use CMC2 and CMC1. Cards, and it can really mess you up. And when Karuga, the Macro Sage, enters the battlefield, draw a card for each other permanent you control with converted mana cost 3 or greater. So, I mean, it's pretty. It's alright. I mean, it's, I feel like you need a bigger payoff for making that huge, huge change for the, to the deck. I mean it's it's possible to build a deck around this without being completely lacking but I'm just getting a small benefit. So I wouldn't I would probably try not to use the companion. And in the zone it doesn't seem great. And in the 99 I'd say probably not, maybe in a flicker deck with lots of expensive cards. Even so, I don't know. Yeah, I don't really see much there, but it's possible. Next is Obosh, the Prey Piercer. Three hybrid black red, hybrid black red for three five companion. Your starting deck contains only cards with odd converted mana costs and land cards. And if a source you control with an odd converted mana cost would deal damage to a permanent or player, It deals double that damage to that permanent or player instead it's five mana I would I would much like it to be cheaper in the 99 I'd say it's pretty bad as a commander I'd say it's pretty bad and as a companion I'd say it's pretty bad I mean I want to say oh sure you only get to use half the cards but all your damage gets doubled but no you have to pay five mana to get it out which is Basically, on rate for getting damage double, doubled. So, I just, it's just kind of bad. And then the opposite of that is Jairuda, Doom of Death, 4, blue black, blue black, for a 6 6. Companion, your starting deck contains only cards with even converted mana costs. And when Jairuda enters the battlefield, each player puts the top 4 cards of their library into the graveyard. Put a creature card with an even converted mana cost from among those cards onto the battlefield under your control. So yes, you do get to mill yourself. Meaning that you'll probably almost always end up with something good at least. And who knows, you might get unlucky, you might get really lucky. I'd say it'd be pretty good, but it it might be hard to meet that companion. As the commander, I could definitely see it, wouldn't be amazing. In the 99, I'd say, I think it would go pretty well in the 99, actually. As the companion, I'd say probably not. And the last companion is Yorian, Sky Nomad. Three, hybrid white, blue, hybrid white, blue companion. Your starting deck contains at least 20 cards more than the maximum deck size. So that is impossible to meet in commander. Um, so y- you don't get to use it as your commander. Uh But as a commander or in the 99, it is awesome. Because it is a 4-5 with flying and when it enters the battlefield, exile any number of other non-man permanents you own and control. Return those cards to the battlefield at the beginning of the next, next end step. So, as the commander, it is, I would say, a slightly worse Brago, because if you have something, a flicker effect that just targets one creature, then you can do any number of them. So, basically, it can just be just as effective as Brago, basically, with little bit less risk because you can activate it immediately and you don't have to wait around the table but then that costs more mana and a little bit more mana required and more cards required which that's that's a trade-off and in the 99 of really any blink deck in a brago deck you can get two in really any deck that is a blink deck, you can just double your blanks most of the time, which is quite good. Alright, next are the ultimatums. So first off, we have Splendid Ultimatum. Blue, blue, red, 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 white, white for sorcery. Target player gains five life. Splendid Ultimatum deals 5 damage to any target, draw 5 cards. I'd say it's alright. Um, it's 7 mana and you don't really get to win, so it's it's okay. And it can definitely get you somewhere, but it's not... Uh, it's questionable. i I put it in decks, but not commonly. Yuri Ultimatum. White, white, black, 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 green, green, sorcery. Return any number of permanent cards with different names from your graveyard to the battlefield. Okay, so in Commander, that's return any number of permanent cards in your graveyard to the battlefield, which is a nine mana card, I believe, so that is definitely good. Hard to get that good fixing, but it could definitely work. Next is Emergent Ultimatum, black, black, green, 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 blue, blue, sorcery. Search the library for up to three monocolor cards with different names so up to three monocolored cards and exile them an opponent chooses one of those cards shuffle that card into your library you may cast the other cards without paying their mana costs exile emergent ultimatum so you just get two of the three which there's a lot there's a lot of different ways to win with that i mean it It's just seven mana win the game if you are smart with it. And if you're not smart with it, well then, seven mana, do whatever you want. Genesis Ultimatum is green, green, blue, 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 red, red. For sorcery, look at the top five cards of your library. Put any number of permanent cards from among them onto the battlefield and the rest into your hand. Exile Genesis Ultimatum. So, worst case scenario, it's draw five. So, it's basically the just guy one. Best case scenario, you get them all on the great onto the battlefield. That's not gonna happen. You're probably gonna get two, three, maybe four, onto the battlefield. Which is quite good, but I'd say for the mana, it's not great. In most decks where your average CMC is three, maybe even four. It's a little bit high. Uh, you're probably only gonna end up with 5-6 mana cost worth of value, I'd have to do math, but I would say most of the time this isn't great value, maybe if you can manipulate your library or do a lot of different tricks, but I'd say it's questionable. Next is Ruinous Ultimatum, red, red, white, 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 black, black for sorcery. Destroy all non-land permanents your opponent's control. So this is again, a nine mana card. People don't play the nine mana version very much, but it is, it's all right. It, it's not an amazing card, but it can certainly be used in a lot of decks. All right, the next cycle is the three color mutate legends. So basically there are three color legends that have a mutate ability. So first off we have Vadrok, Apex of hunger blue red white for three three mutate one hybrid white blue red red And it has flying and first trick whenever this creature mutates You may cast target non-creature card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard without paying its mana cost It's pretty good uh, Next is Snapnax Apex of the hunt One red white black For 3-5 Legendary Creature, Dinosaur, Cat, Nightmare, 2 Hybrid, Black, Red, White, White, Double Strike. This mutate 2 Hybrid, Red, Black, White, White, and it has Double Strike. Whenever this creature mutates, it deals 4 damage to target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls, and you gain 4 life. Next is Brockos, Apex of Forever, 2 Black, Green, Blue for 6-6. Mutate to hybrid blue-black, green-green, trample. You may cast Brockos from your graveyard using its mutate ability. Uh, next is Aluna. Or, well, I mean, that's notable because you have to get it into your graveyard, which can be difficult to do. Well, not particularly. You just have to cast it and then have it die. But that's still uh, an extra hoop-, hoop to jump through. Actually, no, you can cast it from the command zone using its mutate ability too, so not particularly notable. I mean, it it can let your stack mutate over and over again if you can sacrifice it, which I don't think you can sacrifice things in the middle of the stack of your mutate stack without sacrificing the entire stack, but maybe you can. Next is a Luna. Apex of Wishes, 2 green, blue, red for 6x, mutate 3 hybrid red, green, blue, blue, flying, trample. Whenever this creature mutates, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land permanent card. Put that card on the battlefield or into your hand. Uh, That's pretty good Uh, if you can manipulate the top of your library or if you just have like a really high average converted mana cost. Uh, next is Nethroy, Apex of Death, 2, white, black, green, 5, 5, t- sorry, mutate, 4, hybrid green, white, black, black, death touch, lifelink. Whenever this creature mutates, return any number of target creature cards with total power 10 or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Uh, a that's a lot of recursion, actually, I think. Okay, so I believe I covered all of the cycles now, and actually uh, most of the card- well, a lot of the cards I wanted to talk about were cycles. So now it's time for other legends. We have Godzilla, King of the Monsters, three, red, green for seven, three, trample. Lethal damage dealt to creatures you control is determined. By their power, rather than their toughness. So it's like a reverse Doran, but also five mana. Um, this is quite good. Uh it's actually called Zalortha, um, Strength Incarnate, but we're we're all gonna call it Godzilla. Uh net. Nah, so it's pretty good. Uh, I think it's great for the commander quest because I can. Get some janky vanilla creatures or just things with a really high power and low toughness to be good. um Otherwise, it's kind of bad. I mean, it, some people might want to bubble around it, but it's pretty straightforward. Uh, next is Kogla, the Titan Ape. Three green, green, green for seven six. When it enters the battlefield, it fights up to one target creature you don't control. And when it attacks, destroy target artifact or enchantment defending player controls. And one in a green, return target human you control to its owner's hand. Kogla gains indestructible until end of turn. So, it's just like a removal spell in the zone for either artifacts or enchantments if it attacks. Or creature if it ETBs. Because it's a 7-6, you can get rid of almost anything. I mean, it's alright. But it doesn't... It's kind of difficult to build around. I mean, it's a big creature which you can get benefit from, but you still- You can't really build around it. Uh, next is Yodaro. I mean, you could take the fighting idea and run with it. I don't know. Next is Yodaro Wandering Monster. Yodaro Wandering Monster is 5 red red for an 8-8 eight eight trample haste. Cycling, 1 in a red. When you cycle Yodaro Wandering Monster, Shovel it into your library from your graveyard. If you've cycled a card named Yadara Wandering Monster four or more times this game, put it onto the battlefield from your graveyard instead. So it's similar if you run it in the command zone, which you could, but I mean, it'd just be really difficult. Uh, you'd run a lot of cards similar to Phage because you would want to get it into your hand. Then you can cycle it then you can get it shuffled in your library and tutor for it over and over again and then after you've cycled it four times and gone through all of this effort what do you get um yeah you just get an 8-8 trample haste, which you could have just cast for seven mana so overall it's pretty terrible um and sure yeah you can cycle it four times but why would you so pretty bad um next up we have just random creatures cunning night bonder hybrid blue black hybrid blue black or a 2-2 with flash human rogue spells with flash you cast cost one less to cast and can't be countered drannith magistrate one in a white for creature human wizard Your opponents can't cast spells from anywhere other than their hands. 1-3. Your opponents can't cast commanders from the command zone. This is very broken and very rude, so don't play this card. Uh, No one wants to sit across the table and just not be able to do anything because you just shut off the thing that their entire deck is built around. Uh, It's quite irritating. I don't like that card. Next is Fiend Artisan. Hybrid black green, hybrid black green for a 1-1. Fiend Artisan gets plus one plus one for each creature card in your graveyard. X black green tap, sacrifice another creature. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less. Put it on the battlefield, then show free library activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery. So, eh, it's good. It's really good. But, in Commander, it's, no. What am I saying? It is still incredibly good, if you don't care about sacrificing that creature, and you have something that you can grab. Basically, because it's just a tutor, in this in this format sure it can get pumped but that doesn't matter much so if you can search for something then it is amazing and if you have something to sacrifice next is luminous Broodmoth, 2 white white for a 3-4 with flying whenever a creature you control without flying dies return it to the battlefield under its owner's control with a flying counter on it so basically if you have a deck that has a lot of creatures without flying in it. You could use that. Um, it could also work in some type of recursion deck because if you kill it and bring it back um, then with the flying counter on it, then it'll come back without the flying counter and you can just get tons of triggers. You could also do a um, flicker deck because the flying counters will go away, but you probably won't have any way to kill them. Kill your creatures, so it'll be hard to get best value out of it Uh, It is quite good and you can get a lot of advantage out of it But it doesn't go in every deck You have to be careful that there's not too many creatures with flying and you have to make sure That you're not just running it because Um, As a protection spell, I think it is a little bit suboptimal but because of the absolute power and because of the thing of the fact that it can be just used as a protection spell i would say it goes in a lot of decks that just have a small amount of synergy with it next is quartz wood crasher two red red green for a trample six six whenever one or more creatures you control with trample deal combat damage to a player Create an XX green dinosaur beast creature token with Trample, where X is the amount of damage those creatures dealt to that player. So first of all, I'm going to make another Stonebrow deck. Lots of creatures with Trample. But this time I'll include some larger creatures with Trample rather than just the little small ones. Hopefully I still have some left. Um, So that's pretty cool. Also, this is cumulative, so it makes any creature with Trample quite powerful. Um, I mean, there's not there's not too much to it. It's just a big beaters deck that's cumulative and gives you a huge amount of advantage. Next is uh, lands. So first of all, they reprinted Tapkin Life lands. So yeah, that's a thing. Um, next up is the Bonders Enclave. Land tap Add or, or 3 tap draw card. Activate this ability only if you control a creature with power for greater. If you can consistently have a creature with power for greater, then every once in a while you'll be able to activate that to draw a card. Having a land enter that enters untapped, only tap for colorless. While it is a downside, it is a small one. And um, in a lot of decks you can definitely work with that. Alright. Next we have some enchantments. Escape Protocol. One and a blue for an enchantment. Whenever you cycle a card, you may pay one. When you do, exile target artifact or creature you control, then return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. Next is Ominous Seeds. One and a blue for an enchantment. Whenever you draw a card, put a foreshadow counter on Ominous Seeds. And remove 8 foreshadow counters from Ominous Seas, create an 8-8 blue Kraken creature token, Cycling 2. So you could just build up uh, your counters over time, and eventually you can get a Kraken. I wouldn't recommend putting this in any deck that doesn't have wheels or doesn't have a way to get a lot of draw consistently but it can be quite good next is reconnaissance mission two blue blue for an enchantment whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player you may draw a card cycling two unpredictable cyclone three red red for an enchantment if a cycling ability of another non-land card would cause you to draw a card instead exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a card that shares a card type with the cycled card. You may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Then put the exiled cards that weren't cast this way on the bottom of your library in a random order. Well, I think this just goes in a cycling deck. Um, it's not really worth putting any library manipulation in for this or higher CMC cards for this. I just would put it in a Cycling deck and hope for the best. Colossification. Five green, green for an enchantment or enchant creature. When Colossification enters the battlefield, tap enchanted creature. Enchanted creature gets plus 20, plus 20. Go big or go home! That's just gonna be. First of all, that's an instant commander damage kill. Second of all, that's just very large. Third of all, sadly, it says tap enchanted creature so you can't attack with it immediately, which honestly makes it terrible. It's seven mana. It taps the creature and sure it gets it to a kill, but eh, I don't know. I think it could work. It could definitely work, but it's it's not amazing next up is planeswalkers i mean if you have protection for it i mean most Voltron decks have protection i don't know it's all right but make sure whoever you kill first make sure you kill the people that are most likely to have answers or that are will just win like next turn you know winning is kind of an answer though if you think about it okay planeswalkers Narset of the ancient way one blue red white for a legendary planeswalker Narset plus one. Oh, it starts with four loyalty plus one you gain two life and Blue red or white spend this mana only to cast a non creature spell That's fine. It's kind of bad Negative two draw a card then you may discard a card when you discard a non land card this way narset of the ancient way deals damage equal to that card's converted mana cost to target creature or planes i mean it's good removal um it's definitely good removal uh negative six you get an emblem with whenever you cast a non-creature spell this emblem deals two damage to any target uh, overall overall i'd say it's pretty bad i mean the negative two is solid removal the plus one is Pretty bad generally. I mean, two life is okay. And the negative six is, well, it's certainly very powerful. It's not gonna do, it's not gonna win you the game or anything. I mean, it could, but not, it's not particularly likely. Luka, Coppercoat Outcast. Three red, red for legendary planeswalker Luka, with five loyalty. Plus one. Exile the top three cards of your library. Creature cards. Exile this way. Gain. You may cast this card from exile as long as you control a Luka Planeswalker. I mean, that is definitely good draw. You're probably just going to get one creature that you can cast as long as you have Luka, which I'd say it's worse than drawing a card, but for a plus one, that's not bad. Um... Negative 2. Exile target creature control, then reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature card with higher converted mana cost. Put that card on the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Uh, That does seem good. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, really. It being randomized is unfortunate, but... You are just continuously upgrading your creatures. Plus index that care about ETBs or LTBs or anything like that, it could be it could be quite good. And negative seven, each creature you control deals damage equal to its power to each opponent. So it's good, but it's not amazing. Um yeah. It's certainly good, and I could see it being put in some decks, but it's not amazing or anything. Next is Vivian, Monsters Advocate. 3 green green for a Legendary Planeswalker Vivian with 3 loyalty. You may look at the top card of your library anytime, and you may cast creature spells from the top of your library. Um, so that's a solid static. Plus 1, create a 3, uh... It has 3 loyalty. Plus 1, create a 3-3 three, three green beast creature token. Put your choice of a Vigilance counter, a Reach counter, or a Trample counter on it. So then it'll go up to 4 loyalty, and it'll have a 3-3 three, three blocker to keep it safe. And negative 2, Whenever you, when you cast your next creature this spell this turn, search your library for a creature card with lesser converted mana cost. Put it on the battlefield and of your library. Oh wow. So that is, that's actually really good. Because you can just get, you can, you can search for whatever, you can search for whatever you need at the moment, and it puts it right onto the battlefield. A lot of the time, you're just going to be able to combo off super quickly after casting one, probably two, but maybe even one creature off of that, with that ability. That seems quite, quite powerful. Plus, you can get the creatures from the top of your library, so you're likely to have more options. That seems quite good. Next, we have two... One more artifact. This is the last card, and I will, we will finally be done with this. I'm not sure what it is, but I think it's about two hours. That's well, it's not bad, actually. Set, re- set, Sets, I guess. Sets review. Um, So, the final card is certainly good, but it's not, like, one of the best cards. It it is very good, though. Uh, the Ozolith. One for Legendary Artifact. Whenever a creature you control leaves the battlefield, if it had counters on it, put those counters on the Ozolith. At the beginning of your turn, if the Ozolith has counters on it, you may move all counters from the Ozolith onto target creatures. Okay, I'm just gonna start listing some cards. Goldbriar. Alenda. Cathar's Crusade. There's so many. There's so many different synergies you can have. There's so many different things you can do with this. And in the fright deck. And it fits perfectly in so many decks. So many. It is amazing. So this card is just wonderful. Alright. So it is time... To get on to card of the week. card of the week, so the card of the week this week is Curious Horde. Three in a green for an instant. Choose target opponent. You create three x three three green breeze creature tokens, where x is the number of artifacts that player controls. So to make a very very long story short, I analyzed the number, the average number of artifacts of each CMC in the EDH Rack database, and I found out that if you cast this on turn four, you're going to get roughly an average of one. You're going to get roughly an average of one beast. So yeah, this card is terrible. Um, Don't run it. This is a trap. Do not run it. And that's basically all there is to it. Thanks for listening. You can find my personal architect at I'm a Johnny, A-J-O-H-N-N-Y. You can find my Commander Quest and with the link in the description below. You can find my Commander Quest account with the link in the description below or at Commander Quest you can see the link to my collection statistics in the description and my website. You can also visit my YouTube channel, Commander's Contingencies. Also, there's a link in the description below. I will also post any relevant links, such as the decks that I went over, or if there's any news, I will post links to my source or things that have more information. I'll see you next week. Oh, there will also be time blocks to tell you what times certain things in the episode are happening.